Hey, what's up, OSC family? Man, so glad you made it to church today. Man, I'm so sorry I couldn't be with you today. I am currently in Israel touring the Holy Land with over 30 pastors from around our nation. I can't wait to be back with you next Sunday for the kickoff of our most anticipated series of the year, Relationship Goals. This is an incredible opportunity for you to invite people into the church. I hope to see you next Sunday. But today, you are in for an amazing treat. You know, over the last couple of years, thousands of people have gotten saved here at OSC. And over 500 people have been set free by going through our Freedom Life Groups. This has been something that has impacted our church so much. And a lot of that has happened because we have been mentored and taught by our guest preacher today. This man has been given an amazing voice from God for the body of Christ. Over 16 years ago, Pastor Chris Hodges was on staff here in Louisiana in Baton Rouge at Bethany World Prayer Center. He planted a church in Birmingham, Alabama 16 years ago called Church of the Highlands. Last Sunday, over 56,000 people attended Church of the Highlands. And what I love the most, over 60,000 were in life groups. You see, last year, I heard a message from Pastor Chris that radically transformed my life. It gave me a totally different perspective on how God motivates us to make a difference in this world for his kingdom. I loved it so much that I shared part of it during our Legacy series. Well, today, guess what? You get to hear that entire message from the man himself. So, OSC family, will you please put your hands together as we join in live with our OSC Lafayette campus to hear from Pastor Chris Hodges. Come on, give Jesus all the praise, everybody. Now give Jesus what he really deserves, everybody. It's awesome. All right. Give somebody a little fist pump. Tell them, look like you've lost a little weight. Come on, tell them. Come on, just looks like you lost weight. You're looking good today. That's my favorite thing to hear from somebody. <laughs> it's never true, but... I love hearing it. So anyway, in fact, last year I set a goal to lose, um, I wanted to lose 20 pounds over the course of all of 2018. And by the time I'd gotten to halfway through the year, I only had 30 pounds to go. Come on, somebody. So I was well on my way. So anyway, I did lose some weight during our 21 days of prayer and fasting like I always do. And people say, how much weight did you lose? And I say, well, I really didn't lose it because I know right where to find it, you know, and uh and so, and I think your pastor, since I've been in Lafayette, has helped me find all of them. So, uh, so anyway, it's good to be home. Uh, I was born and raised in Baton Rouge, went to LSU. Any tigers in the house? Any tigers? And so, and um, yeah, and it's, and years ago, the, our, my church, my church in Baton Rouge sent me out to plant in Birmingham, and it has been a miracle, but it's always good for my bones and my belly and my soul to be back uh, in Louisiana and the, 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 the land that I love and love you guys uh, so very much. Pray for you a lot. And I've got a lot of pastor friends too, like what Pastor Jacob said, but there is a very short list. It's five or less of people that when I'm on my worst day that I'm going to call 
and your pastor is one of those. He is the, listen to me, what I'm talking about, there are friends, and there are friends who stick with you closer than a brother, and I've never, honestly, in my entire life met anybody more faithful, more covenant-filled, more loving, more generous than your pastor. I think you ought to show some love. Come on, every campus. He can't hear you, but God can. Come on, show your love to your pastor. Thank you. I love you. And I am really thrilled uh, to be here. I bring greetings to my wife, Tammy. We'll be married 33 years this year. Praise God for that. Yeah. And, um, and we have five kids. Come on, everybody say, help him, Lord. And so that's a lot. And so people, one guy says, man, with all them kids, you must really like kids. I said, no, I really like my wife. Anyway, so that's a different sermon. I'll come back and preach it. I got stuff to say. Anyway, but... Um, but uh, now, now, and I know I don't look like it, but we have five grandkids. And uh, how many grandparents in the house? Anybody? Anybody? Yes. See how fast they put it up? Because it's better. It's like, so we are, I'm telling parents now, this part of my, my sermon, this is my first point. Don't kill your kids. Better ones are coming. Like, hang in there. Let them live. So, man, if I'd have known it was this good, I'd have had them first. I mean, it was good. So I brought a picture. I have all grandsons. Show the picture. There they are. So I know. And so five grandsons under the age of three. So five under three. And uh, yeah, we're multiplying like rabbits. And it's awesome. And so we love it. And it's the best part of my life right now. And it just makes me happy to show that picture. So I'm very delighted to bring God's Word to you today. And I, I, love, I love the heart of your church and the heart of your pastor who leads you in a very clear pathway of knowing God. Everybody say, know God. No God means, no, no doesn't mean here, it means no here. The word in the Greek for no is gnosko. You don't need to know that. But the, word, the, but the word gnosko is the same word that was used when it says a man knew his wife and they had children. It's an intimate term. God never intended to be your religion. He always intended to be your friend, your savior, your, someone personal and intimate. That's what, when we say know God, we mean know him here, not know him here, to know God. But once you know God, once you know God, honestly, now you have the power for everything else in the Christian journey to become a reality. Once you know God, all of us, all of us, all of us, every single one of us, actually every one of us continually need to find freedom. And what we mean by that is to continually close the doors on the past and the things that the enemy is constantly trying to do to hold us up. Here's the catch, though. You can't find freedom just you and God. You can't do it. He, he designed a system that actually makes it where it's not just him. He involved, it, It's required for you to find true freedom freedom for the, someone else to be involved. And that's why the Bible says that if you confess your sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But that doesn't mean you're not going to do it again in an hour. All right. It's, but, but James 5, 16 says that if you confess your faults, not to God, but if you'll confess your faults one to another and pray for each other, it's there that you're healed. Whenever you involve an accountability partner, someone else who can know your secrets, and trust me, you'll always stay as sick as your secrets. You'll, you'll, you'll always stay in the same place you're in as long as you're the only person dealing with what you're in. Can I get a better amen, anybody? And that's why you're hearing so much about groups here. Like, what's up with all these groups? Groups are simply a place where we give you a curriculum or something you're going to study or a cookie you're going to eat. I like that cookie group, by the way. I'm just, I'm confessing that one for my life. But anyway, um, 
You, you have that, but honestly, that's, that's just the hook. That's not even the purpose. The purpose of the people that come with you. And it's to get close enough where you have, you have the freedom to be honest and say, can I tell you, can I tell you what's behind here? And the day you do, you're going to begin to find freedom. You know God, you find freedom, you discover your purpose because you have one. So you're not here to survive. Hey, I got good news. You're not here to pay bills. Can I get a better amen from any of like, you? You're not here to exist. You have a purpose. From the beginning of time, God had you as a piece in his grand design. You have a place. And it's different from my place. It's different from the person sitting next to you. You have a unique. You're not one in a billion. You're one of a kind. You, you have a pur- like you have a pur- So like if you never find it, that doesn't change the fact that you have a purpose. Thank God the church has given you a tool where you can discover what your purpose is. Four Sundays, just need four, just four Sundays, called a growth track, has one job. It's only going to do one thing, help you discover why you're here. That's it. Just go to find out why you're here. You don't even have to do it. Just find out what it is. But once you find out what it is, listen to me, look in my eyes and hear this. Come on, every location, your ultimate reason why you exist, the ultimate reason why you exist is for your life to do something that impacts other people's lives. We call it make a difference. You'll never be happy until you do. Your life will never make sense until you do. You were designed to make a difference, to make a difference to make a difference, to make a difference. You're designed for the, you, you were created to do something that touches other people's lives. So I study secular sociology for fun. I love studying human behavior. And if you went to college, I learned this at actually at LSU, they have what's called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And Maslow's hierarchy of needs, basically the thesis of that teaching is, this secular teaching is, is that needs determine behavior. Because you have the need for something, you do something. Because you're hungry, you eat. Because you need love, you'll build relationships. Needs determine behavior. Okay, so they found out that there's a hierarchy. You start here, you have the need to breathe, you need have the need to live, so you're breathing. That's the basic one. But they thought and taught for years that the highest need of the human heart was what they called self-actualization. Kind of a scientific term, but basically means you win. <laughs> you get the car you always wanted, the boat you always wanted, the fishing holes you ever wanted, the wife you ever always wanted, the money you always wanted, the job you always wanted, and LSU wins the national championship. Yeah, they thought that was the highest. They thought that was the highest. And they discovered after years of studying human behavior that there's a higher one. It's not when you win. That's not the highest. The highest is what they now call transcendence. And transcendence means that I'm not only winning because, of my, because I'm living, the people around me are winning. I'm making an impact into the world around me. And they say, they say that the happiest people on planet Earth are the people who are impacting other people's lives and they're making a difference. That's why we lead you into know God. Can't do it until you know God. Find freedom. Get rid of the past. Discover your purpose and get out there doing what you were created to do. Make a difference. Make a difference. Make a difference. Make a difference. You'll be happy. Like it doesn't matter if it rains or if anything happens in politics. Like when you're making a difference, those are the happiest people. Are you understanding me, everybody? All right. So I want to talk about that a little bit. In fact, your team, your pastors asked me, say, talk about the importance of making a difference. Like, what is the real motivation behind it? Now, it's easy to hear, like when you hear announcements about small groups, like, be a leader, be a leader. And almost sometimes I think people can think, at least I do think this at our church, that people are thinking, well, man, they must be really desperate for some people. We're not desperate for more people. We're desperate for you to have the true joy in your life. That's the motivation behind it is not for us. It's for you. 
And I want to make sure you understand what I consider to be the greatest motivation. So I've already given you one, is that your life's going to be so much better. Like, you lay your head down at night thinking, wow, I impacted other people's lives. That's how you live a day, okay? So that's, there's no doubt, no doubt in that. But there is another motivation that I want to talk about just for a few minutes that Jesus used, number one, one he used to motivate people to do stuff. It's the number one that the Apostle Paul used. It's the one that's the most prevalent in Scripture. Like the number one, like when they were trying to get people to do stuff, when they were making their announcements back in those days, when they said, and this is why you should do it, well, this is what the motivation they used. So I'll read you the verse first and see if you can figure it out. Okay? So I'm going to read you a verse out of a book called First Timothy. And a quick little orientation to the books of the Bible. Most of the New Testament are written by a guy named Paul, who was a church planter. And when he writes letters that are now Holy Scripture for us, the Bible, they're usually either named for the city that the church was in or for the pastor that was leading the church. So a book like Ephesians, because there's a city named Ephesus who is writing to the whole church in Ephesus, the book therefore called Ephesians. Some of them have men's names to them. They were pastors like this one, 1 Timothy. Timothy was one of his protégés. He was one, a young pastor in one of the churches that he planted. I'm just trying to explain the Bible to you. And in this text, he's giving this pastor, Timothy, instructions on, hey, motivate the church to do more stuff. Like, get them out there doing stuff. And here's the motivation I want you to tell him. So he's training him, and that's the part we're going to read. Chapter 6, verse 17, command the people in your congregation who are rich. Now, that's not the word rich that we use, like, because you have lots of money. Rich in the Bible simply means that you possess something that is more than you need of of that thing. So if you have more time than you need, then you're rich in time. If you have, that's why the Bible says God wants to make you rich in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. So if you have more joy, I have more joy than I need, and that's why I'm trying to bring a little something to y'all today, all right? Okay, so, I, so I'm, supposed, I'm supposed to take the richness of what I have and give it away. So command those who are rich in this present world. There's your hint right there. Here's the motivation. In this present world. Not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in that wealth, which is so uncertain. Earth is uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, and command them, watch this, get out there and like sign up to be a leader, do good stuff, pass out a bulletin, get on a camera, park a car, do something, do good, be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. And you would think the next line would be, because God really likes it and it's going to help a lot of people. But that's not the motivation. Notice the motivation that he says. And in this way, you lay up treasures for yourself. Like, don't even do it for them. Do it for you. Do it for the fact that you don't realize that every time you get on a camera or run sound or hold a baby or park a car or lead a small group you're laying up treasures in heaven for a coming age. Everybody say a coming age. Probably the best thing you need to hear all day long if you don't hear anything else in this message is there's another life coming. Like there's a coming age. And one of our jobs as pastors is to prepare you for a coming age. We would not do our jobs if you don't, if you don't pass this test that's coming your way. Like there's a coming age and that you might take hold of the life that is truly life. Like you, you not only get prepared for that one, but you're going to enjoy this one too. Notice the motivation is heaven. 
heaven. So like, why be a small group leader? Well, because the church kept bringing those announcements. No, heaven. Everybody say heaven. It's like you're going to go there. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm combating something. Culture is desperate to keep you all focused on earth. So there's even phrases here, like on earth. Y'all ever heard the phrase, that, like you social media people, they'll like use hashtags. Hash, hashtag YOLO, YOLO. Y'all know what YOLO, anybody know what YOLO means? You only live once. That is the lie from the pit of hell itself. And by the way, they use YOLO when they want to do something stupid, right? Like, I just jumped off a bridge, but you know what? YOLO, no. Dumbo is what that is, right? No, 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 no. No, no, no. You don't only live once. I'm, I, I'm, I'm introducing a new hashtag. Let's see if it catches on. I'm hoping it goes viral across social media. It's YOLT. You only live twice. The name of my message today is Yolt. I'm from Louisiana. All right. Come on. Yolt. Yolt. You're going to live twice. All right, look at my eyes. Are you ready? Okay, what you may not know is that you've got to be ready for two things. It's not just one. You got, there, there are two tests coming your way. Again, my job as a pastor is to get you ready for these tests. I went to LSU as an accounting major. Thank God the Lord delivered me from accounting. Amen, everybody? And so, uh, but I, was, I, was, I wasn't very good in school. I, um, I actually was a C-minus student in all my classes in accounting, which is why I'm in the ministry. Anyway, so, uh, but um, in my junior year, someone told me at the LSU bookstore, you can go and they, the, the professors sell their old tests. What? And why did you wait this long to tell me? You know, like, what? So I not only learned the material, because nothing worse than, like, you study the material, and then you get to the test, it's like, this ain't the class I took. You know, like, what is this? You know, I didn't recognize a single question. You know, but now I could go buy the tests. I could go buy previous tests so you could see how the professor was going to test you. And a lot of times they would even ask the same questions. So I not only studied the material, I studied the tests. <laughs> well, my junior and senior year, I literally went from a C minus to a 4.0 because I tested better. Like, well, oh, well, there you go. That's how, that's how you do that. And I just want to help you with the test. I don't know if you heard about the guy who these two, brothers, these two friends were going to take an employment test together. And when it was over, the, the, the examiner says, look, y'all both got the exact same number right and the same number wrong. And so we're going to give it to John. And then the other guy was like, Man, what, I don't understand if we both got the same one right or wrong. They said, yeah, but y'all got the same ones right and the same ones wrong. We just thought that was a little curious. He said, well, that could be coincidence. They said, well, but on number 17, John put, I don't know. And on number 17, you put me neither. And so I, <laughs> we knew something was up there. But anyway, <laughs> come on, laughter does good like a medicine, everybody. You, I'm, I'm going to throw some in there just, just for your soul. Okay. But there are two tests coming your way. The first one's an everybody test. And the everybody test, if you want the theology, is called the great white throne judgment. It's the everybody judgment. Everybody stands there. And the Bible's not clear exactly how it plays out. It just, it's just basically that it plays out that you're going to get your stand before God. In my mind, I, I got a little, my, my, I got a wild imagination. And I, and I picture like, honey, Chris Hodges, please. Like, you know, like that, it's, it's my turn, you know. And, 
undoubtedly the question that's going to get asked in that moment is something like this. Okay, you got, you, everybody dies for their sins. Everybody. But I sent a different plan where Jesus could pay for them so you didn't have to. So hell's not a place that God sends people that he's mad at. Hell's just a place where people pay for their own sins if they want to. <laughs> you don't have to. It's already been paid for. What did you, look into your eye, what did you do with my son Jesus? And the answer, undoubtedly in scripture, has to be a non-religious one. So it can't be I was baptized or christened or went to church or even went to OSC. But that I was, I was personally in love and made Jesus my friend, my savior, my God, the master of my life. That's the right answer. And then he goes, good answer. Come on in. And that first one, there's nothing you can do to earn it. Jesus paid for it all. Say amen right there. It's best news you're going to hear all day. But what most Christians don't know is that there's a second test. I never hear it taught. That once you're in, now if you don't get in, you never hear the second one. <laughs> hate to tell you that. All right. So, but, but if you get in, you get a second judgment. And the first one's free. You can't earn it. But this one's all about you. It's all about you, that every one of us are going to stand before God in a second one. Here's the theology. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. And this one is a good works judgment. And it doesn't determine whether you go to heaven. It just determines what your heaven is like. It's a reward judgment. And the only reason I'm teaching it to you is because this is the number one motivation that Jesus used, Paul used, and the Bible used to get you to say yes to more difference making. Because you're going to get tested on your difference making. You're not going to get just tested on your salvation. Now, you'll still be in heaven, and trust me, you're going to enjoy it no matter what. Because there is no sighing, no crying, no dying, no cancer, no traffic, and no calories and donuts. Come on, somebody say amen. It's It's heaven. It's heaven. All right. But once you do get there, Jesus wants to reward you. In fact, I'll read you some verses just so you can see it. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, we know that's not salvation because you can't earn your salvation. Matthew 16, verse 27, for the Son of Man, Jesus, is going to come again one day in his Father's glory, and he will reward each person according to what they did. In fact, he's so excited about giving you, you the rewards. In Revelation twenty two twelve. he says, And behold, I am coming quickly. And I say, come, Lord, come. I am coming quickly, and my rewards, I can't hardly wait to give them to you, so I'm going to bring them with me. That's one of the last verses of the Bible refers to you doing stuff that makes a difference. So what's the motivation? Because OSC needs it? No, they do. It would, it's working well, but it worked better with you. But, but the real motivation is, and it's my job to prepare you for it, is you're going to be tested on it. Because then there's a, I need Chris Hodges again. God, this place is amazing. All right, go ahead. This is your show. All right. So I now get there, and, and he says, okay, second question for you. What did you do with all the stuff I gave you? So, like, I let you live, I let you live in America. I let you live in the generation that had more access to technology, money, wealth, information. Like, you were supposed to do the most of anybody. I, I gave you those great talents, gifts, and that amazing good looks. Come on, somebody. Amen. I gave you all. What, <laughs> what, what did you do with all that? 
You were, you were supposed to leverage everything you had for eternal purposes. And I just want you ready for it. So when you hear things like, hey, why don't you get on the growth track or why don't you lead a group? I would say to you, yes, because the, serving others and making a difference to others brings you great joy. I mean, it's, it's true transcendence. But the greatest motivation, I think, is that you're going to be tested on it. And 1 Corinthians 3 says this, but on judgment day. Now, this is the Christian judgment, not the everybody judgment. This is the second one. Fire will, re- will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. And the fire will show if a person's work has any value. And if the work survives, I will define that word. That means shows up in heaven. So if your niceness, your hugs, your joy, your money, your time, your car, your house, your your energies, your gifts, your talents, your ideas, if all those things were leveraged and they show up in heaven, the builder will receive a reward. And I just want to get you ready for the test. I'm just the guy telling you, hey, the professor put the test on sale at the bookstore and you can now pass the test. Come on, say amen right there. So let me, give, make it, let me make it practical. That's all the teaching. Let me give, make it practical. I want to encourage you to make a difference in three ways. I want to encourage you to make a difference with your resources. Notice I did not say money. Money is on the list of resources, but it's not the only resource you have. Resources means just what you have. Because you can only give what you have. You'll never be asked by God, and you should not be asked by man to give what you do not have. But everybody has something. If you got two arms, you can give a hug. If you got a phone, you can encourage somebody with a text. You have things. You have things. And you have money. I'm not talking about money. The tithe is the Lord's. You give that. That already belonged to him. But you take everything else, every resource you have, your car, your pool, your house, your boat, your time, everything, and I'm going to leverage it for eternal purposes. That's my job. So when you go to lunch today after church, you should leverage. It's like, well, Lord, you just walk in. Lord, am I supposed to take some of the more that I have? The other day I was at a restaurant because there are no good restaurants in Birmingham. They do not know how to eat food in that state. Anyway. But our favorite restaurant there, unfortunately, is P.F. Chang's. My kids call it Chang's, all right? So (laughs) they don't know you're not supposed to say it. Anyway, but we were in there, and and now there's a lot of us. When we we eat together, it's a lot. You got five kids, five grandkids, spouses, and girlfriends. Like, it's a lot of people. And so we're there, and I'm just doing the math. This is going to cost me a lot. And so we're eating. They're ordering, and uh, I'm paying and the server that was serving us was frantic. She, obviously, somebody else didn't show up, and she had too many tables. So when she came by, it was hurried, and it was spilling. And, and I'm usually, like, the, before you think much of me, I'm usually the worst guy ever. I'm, like, the most demanding, like, hey, empty over here. You know, like, I'm usually that guy. And I don't know what struck me that day. I just decided to, not, to be nice. I was try, I've actually turned into a Christian there for a moment. And so I... I I, so when she came by, I said, look, I know you're busy. Just don't worry about us, man. We're, we ain't, we ain't, we're not in a hurry. Just take care of others first. And she was shocked. She had never heard anybody say that. And the second time she came around, I could see worry on her face. And my mind did something that we all need to do, and I ought to preach on this one day, is we, I empathize. Empathy means I put myself in her shoes. What's it like to be her? 
We should ask more of that to society, by the way. I wonder what, what it's like to be them. And so I empathize. I thought, I wonder what it's like to be her. And in my mind, imagine she was a single mom. She may not have been. Single mom, two jobs, maybe working school still. And my heart started to break for her. So she came back around and I said, I said, hey, hey, I said, hey, are you okay? And she looked at me like, you're not supposed to ask that question. Customers don't ask questions like that. And I said, look, I'm a pastor and I just, I'm going I'm to be praying for you. And a little tear popped out and she just scurried off. And so the third time she came around, you know, it, I was all in at that point. So she brought me the bill and, um, and I decided, um, I decided to bless her a good, t- really good. I'm, I'm a good, I'm a good tipper anyway, but I decided to really bless her. I gave her what I call a honking tip. <laughs> all right. And so <laughs> for you more sophisticated people, that's an exceptional gratuity. All right. So, all right. I just, <laughs> I just decided to bless her big time so much so that she came back and she thought I made a mistake. I won't tell you what it is, but she thought it was a mistake. And I said, I said, no, 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 that's for you. She goes, I don't understand. And I said, it's because God loves you. And I had, I had it, and I, and I was supposed to give it to help you. And, um, and so, so, so bless you in Jesus' name. Bless you. Because, by the way, your good deeds don't matter until you connect it to God. Don't give a cup of cold water. Give a cold cup of water in Jesus' name. Always connect it to your God. All right. Because we're talking about treasures in heaven, not treasures on earth. I don't need them here. I need them there. And so, so I remember when I left, the, I just remember walking out of the restaurant thinking, I know it blessed her, right? It had to bless her. But I felt good about me. I was like, yes, Lord. You know, there are probably four billion women on the earth. And here was one of his little princesses, and he just needed one of his strong sons of the most high God to step in. Come on, y'all. Hear his voice and do something on his behalf. And I remember just thinking, praise God. And I also been thinking, who else shall you, will you touch today, Lord? You know, like, right? <laughs> Look in my eyes. Because you were made for this. You were made to make a difference. Make a difference with what you have. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Second area is we can make a difference with our time. Like, I'm talking specifically about serving. Like, don't attend church. Like, serve in your church. Give your Make a difference with your time. Do something with it that's impacting other people's lives. Remember Jesus, when he washed his disciples' feet? When he finished, he said to his disciples in John 13, 17, he says, now that you know this, that you saw me do this, you'll be blessed if you do it too. Notice he said, don't do it because there's a bunch of dirty feet out there. That wasn't, his motivation was, you'll like it. And I'll just tell you something straight up. You'll like it. You think you love your church now? You haven't seen anything yet until you, what we call at Highlands, worship one, serve one, worship one, serve one. I'm just, I'm going to find my place according to my gifts. And I know small group leadership freaks that people out. So we changed the world, word at Highlands. Don't lead a group, just host one. Like, just call everybody and say, I don't know a doggone thing about the Bible, but let's have a cookie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and to take prayer requests and listen and drink coffee and help somebody and get honest and take off the mask and pray for one another. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. The people in that group are going to be blessed and you're going to grow this year like you've never grown before. 
So do it, do it for you. Come on, serve. I'm serious. I'm just trying to get you ready for the test. Your money, your resources, your time. This is how you store up treasures in heaven. You want to store up treasures in heaven? This is how you do it. And to me, the ultimate way is, is, in, is in not only in our resources and our serving, which I encourage you guys. I mean, if you're interested, they could not have given you more tools today. I, in fact, I leaned over to Pastor Tim and I said, you guys have really made this clear. It, it is crystal clear of how to get involved in this church. And I, will, I, I thought it was well, well done. And you can do the same thing. That, that le- text in the word leader to, to, what is it, seven, I wrote it down, 77453. That doesn't sign you up for anything. At least just, you can at least get the information of what it looks like if you said yes. And we can all do, just do that. Like, I'm not even going to say yes to it, but can you tell me what it really looks like? Go for it. And if you're already trained, reg- how'd y'all get registeryourgroup.com? Like, I, I in the world, that, I want that. How'd y'all get that ahead of us? Anyway, so, strong. Here's the last way. Are y'all getting anything out of this? I'm just trying to get you ready. Because even if you don't agree with me, you're going to stand before God. I just want to at least, at least I told you what was on the test. Okay. Because not only can you do it through your resources and your, and your, and your money, and, and you need to do that. Be faithful with that. That's not yours. Steward it. Steward it. And your time. That, your time is not yours. Steward it. Steward it. But the last is, and the ultimate way is in sharing Christ. Share Christ. Make a difference by sharing Christ. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying get get rainbow colored wig on and get John three sixteen behind the saints goal line. I'm not saying that y'all seen that guy before. That ain't me. That's not how I share Christ. Praise God for him. But that ain't my way for my way is just being nice to hurting people. I wrote about in this book and I'm not trying to sell the book, but uh, I wrote this book because I found Christians having a hard time figuring out how to stay true to God and how to relate to culture at the same time. Because there's such a divide between our pagan culture and our Christian faith that most people think, I'm just going to pick one or the other. No, no, no. You can do both, and Daniel shows us how. That's the Daniel dilemma. But I start the book off in the introduction telling the story about a guy that I was trying to bridge the gap between. And uh, somebody gave me a gift certificate to get a custom-made sport coat. It wasn't this one, but it, it looked like this one, all right? And, and I, never had a, I never had one like fitted to me before. I just go to the rack and they do the final fitting, but I've never had one from scratch. So I didn't know what to expect. So when I walked in this little tailor shop in Birmingham, um, there were Hindu gods all over the wall. And when the little guy walked out, he was obviously from Southeast Asia area. I don't even know what country he was from. He had a little accent, but he could not have been more pleasant. So I got, I got comfortable with him very fast. And then he was, you know, he's, me- he's measuring stuff that I didn't even think mattered, you know. And so he's measuring stuff and like, <laughs> you know, I was messing with him and, you know, it was fun. I just, so we were, he was laughing, I was laughing. The whole thing was fun. We just had, a, I couldn't have had more fun. And then we walked out, but he followed me to my car. And I thought, oh, maybe he does this for every, every customer. Because like you open my door out, outside. I'm like, wow, this is, for, this is service, you know, and, and, um. And he goes, Pastor. He kept going, Pastor, 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 Pastor. He said, Pastor, you, you're very different, Pastor. You're not like all, the, all, the, all other pastor. I said, what do you mean? He goes, oh, I've had other pastor come in my, my shop and see my gods and tell me I'm going to hell. And I'm like, well, I believe that too. You know, that's what I was thinking, you know, so. 
but I didn't say it because it was true, but it wasn't helpful. And God didn't call us to be right. He called us to be effective. So that's what I write about. If you want to learn how to do that, that's what I wrote about in the book. Because God didn't call us to be right. He called us to make a difference. So in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I believe that too, but that wasn't going to help to point it out again. And I said, well, I said, well, Christianity's got a branding problem. Uh, There's two versions out there. There's one version that'll get in your face about everything you've ever done wrong and pretty much remind you of it even after you get saved. But there's a whole other version that shows you the, the goodness of our God and it leads you to want to do good things. That's Romans 2, 4. It's the goodness, the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance, not the pastor pointing a finger in your face that leads you to repentance. Amen. And so um, he goes, I want to come to your church. So I invited him and he didn't come for two years, but I kept inviting for two years. In fact, I got two more jackets made and laughed and cut up and said, come on. His name was Ramesh, but they call him Ram. I said, Ram, when are you going to come? I'm going to come. I'm gonna, Pastor, I will come. I will come. We didn't come. He didn't come nothing. <laughs> but I kept asking. Well, we did a bunch of Christmas service. And on the front row, on our very last service, I did 13 services. We did 114 throughout all of our campuses. And on the 13th service, there was Ram on the front row. And I shared Jesus. And when I asked people to receive Jesus and be born again and confess their sins, he surrendered his life completely to Jesus. Come on, somebody. And I didn't do it pointing my finger in my face. I did it going. (laughs) (laughs) And you can do that. Look in my eyes. I'm closing. Make a difference. You'll never be happy till you do. Take everything you own and leverage it for eternal purposes. Take all of your time. Say yes to everything the church asks for. Do it all. Why? Because you're going to reap a reward and lead as many people to Jesus as you can. God, use this church in the mighty name of Jesus, God, to make them a major difference for you. Let us never be the same, God. Let us be ready for your tests, God, knowing there are great rewards in heaven in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said amen. Come on, give him praise.